Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. We are jam-packed and ready to go today. The Greek should be freaked out. The heat's on Harden tonight. We got lots of football to mix in, and I got another one wrong, only this time I was right. The hashtag crew is ready. Diana's here. Let's go. Here we go! Only one place to start. All right, the place that we would normally start would be NBA playoffs, and we will. We will certainly work our way to all of that by now. You're well aware of what happened last night. Celtics finding a way to win in Milwaukee. Al Horford staring down the Greek freak. So much drama in that series. And then in San Francisco, Steph Curry finding a way. Big night for him as they came from 12 down to beat Memphis and take the commanding 3-1 lead. We'll look ahead to tonight's games as well. Really interesting action. Can Dallas find a way to pull off a stunning win in Phoenix and push the the Suns to the brink? And then the Heat's on Harden tonight in Miami. So we will get to all of that. But... Joining me right now in studio with the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromises. The one, the only, Diana Rossini. There is no one that we, as the hashtag crew, enjoy more than Diana when she's good enough to hang out after Get Up. Hello again, Diana Rossini. Hello. I get more love from you than anyone in my family, so I always appreciate being here. (laughs) Even on Mother's Day, more love here. Well, that's why I appreciated your naming your son after me. I thought that was a big move. Little Mikey, I mean, you you picked my favorite name. Oh, yeah. There was no one else even close to, or there was no other name even close to Michael. It was like Michael, and and if it could be Greenberg is the last name, just to really (laughs) give it that extra umph. But, you know, i got to go with the husband's last name. How was the first Mother's Day? That's a special day. I remember my first Father's Day as a father. It it is, it's interesting because that day changes, right? So all your life, and my dad was still alive when I became a father and, and, and for many, many years thereafter. So like Father's Day is something that was always a day for my dad. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, it's a day for him. But now it's also a day for me. What was your first Mother's Day like? Yeah, it, it, it is a little strange when you become a mother, when your whole life, it's all about your own and it's still about my own. So um, <laughs> while it was very nice to start the day with my husband and little Mikey, um, soon as we gathered all together, it was about Camille Racine. Uh, no longer, nobody really cared that I was the mother there. So, but that's okay. And, and I look at it this way. The positive spin on it is I'm, I'm fortunate that I get to have her. So we will celebrate her uh, all the time. And I, I, and I do feel like in, in our family, we have no choice. We need to celebrate and have to celebrate Camille Rossini at all times. So it worked out. It was great. We had a nice little brunch and uh, we were home pretty early. So they, to me, that, that, that was just a perfect day. And my son went to bed even early, which isn't that funny? You're celebrating being a mom and you're like, gosh, this kid just needs to go to sleep. All you need is sleep. I, I've said this many times that the way you know you're a parent, some might say the way you know you're starting to get older is when you start envisioning the moment in time when you're going to be able to get a lot of sleep. Like I remember Stacy was going to take the kids. We were going, this is back when the kids were little. She was taking them somewhere. I forget what it was. And I was meeting them there like two days later. Yeah. And all I could think of was, man, those two nights, I'm going to be in bed so ridiculously early. No one's going to bother me. I'm going to sleep like 12 hours. It's going to be fantastic. Mike, when I leave my bed in the morning, I say goodbye to him. I'm like, goodbye, my love. I will see you soon, and I can't wait to see you again, and I hope this day goes so fast. To be That's clear, what... you're not talking to a human being in the bed. You're talking to the bed itself. Oh, no, I never say that to him. It's <laughs> to the pillows. It's to the comforter. It's to the mattress. I love you. Fair enough. All right, we are Greeny and Diana presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Insurance makes building home and auto easy. Learn more at Progressive.com. That should be bundling. Let me read that again. Progressive Insurance makes bundling home and auto easy. Learn more at Progressive.com. All right, let's, we actually did get some interesting, I don't think incredibly important in the scheme of things, but interesting football news while we were on the air, and that is an announcement from Lachlan Murdoch, 
was the son of Rupert Murdoch, the owners of Fox, that Tom Brady has come to a, an agreement with Fox Sports that when the time comes that his career ends, and they didn't put a date on this, that he is going to go to Fox and become the lead yeah. football analyst. Now, this obviously became uh, an opening that, that exists because Joe Buck and Troy Aikman have come here. And Brady at some point now is going to go there and do games with Kevin Burkhart. Brady himself tweeted a confirmation of this saying he still has unfinished business. So I'm not exactly sure what, if anything, to make of this. Diana, help me. Well, first, let's just start with he's the lead analyst. Um, For those that are listening to us or watching us right now as well, you know, this is a very competitive business. This isn't something where you just step into a booth and become a star immediately. We saw it with Tony Romo. So I think that has kind of changed the way we we see and and really our patience level has changed, I think. The, The second a former player steps in, we assume they're going to be fantastic. It takes a lot of work, preparation, um, but obviously Fox believes that Tom is going to step in there and be as wonderful and great as he is on the field in the booth. So let, let's just start with that, and, and I do think it's going to come with a lot of pressure around him. I'm not really sure if he understands how difficult and how challenging it can be to have to make a point in 10 seconds. I've been doing this 15 years and I can't do it. I obviously, you guys listen to me all the time. It takes me 40 years to get to the point of the story. So for Brady to be able to do it, and and you know, he's not going to do it unless he feels that he can handle it. So the the second layer to this, and, and I really think this is the story. If Tom Brady's putting out and releasing information about what he's doing post retirement, when is retirement? Right. And you know, Fox probably wants an answer. They want to know what they want to do with that uh, that person that's supposed to be in the booth. And, and just is this in flux? The person that has that job, are, are they on the hot seat? How long do they have? Um, so what does this mean? Does this mean that Tom Brady, is this it? Is this going to be the last? Is he going to truly retire after this year? Um, and, and then I guess my last point is, this is somebody who, who truly loves the game of football. If he wants to spend uh, the rest of his Sundays back on the football field. That, that is the part of it that I actually found most interesting. It's worth noting they have two of the next three Super Bowls in sort of a scheduling uh, quirk, uh, including this coming up one, which we would assume, well, I mean, I guess Brady, in theory, if he doesn't make it, they could put him in the booth for the game if they wanted to. Um, but but I'm, he would obviously much rather be on the field than in the booth for that game coming up this year. The thing about this that I find interesting, yes, it's the football piece of it. And it's also the glimpse into the psychology. Like, I, I have been covering sports a very long time. And if there's one thing that I have come to this, is that the, the difference in physical ability between the all-time greats, the kind of goods, and the guys who don't quite make it, who like you never even hear from, they're now, yeah. they go pro in something else, is, is minuscule. You could put the difference in physical ability in a thimble. There, there are players at Rucker Park right now who are every bit as physically gifted as some of the best players in the NBA. The difference is all the stuff that's going on upstairs. It's, it's a combination of intelligence and the right kind of drive, dedication, motivation, bordering on and I, I say this in this context in a positive way, an almost psychotic desire to excel in something, particularly in that sport, that's what it takes. And you're seeing that from Brady now, because you made that point. This is a guy who retired for a moment in time and decided not only in that period of time that he couldn't be away from the sport, but is already now making plans for whenever that day comes of how he is going to remain a part of pro football. I think that is an interesting glimpse into the way he ticks. He shared in The Man in the Arena on ESPN+. Plus. 
that that is something he's challenged by the he it's almost like he fights it as well it's been a blessing to him because it's given him all the success but it's like a it's like a an addiction almost that he can't step away. And this just tells you that this is, this is true. And this is real. And what was the word that he used? It wasn't tortured. He said, he, I want my kids to be happy, but there's, he doesn't want them to be something like me. He didn't use the word tortured, but it was, it was a word for driven in a negative yes. way. I forget what it was, but you're making a very good point. I saw that too. Um, and I think that's what you're talking about. It is exactly what I'm talking about. And, and that actually, um, open that was the most vulnerable I ever heard him talk about it because it wasn't in a space of drive, discipline, determination, pride. In fact, I felt that it was showing a bit of weakness because it's something he battles, not as something that well, he choked up him. saying it. You know, to I mean, he, he choked up saying it. He recognizes that the, the same things, and I think this is true of a lot of successful people, but few of them are as public as Brady. Yes. But that. What it takes to become that, there's a price to be paid. There's a toll that comes with being Tom Brady. From the diets to the workouts to uh, the therapist, the things that he, that he surrounds himself with to be the greatest is, is a, you know, everyone thinks you can just go out there and be great. No, no, no. When you really peel it back, uh, Tom Brady is without a doubt, I know for, for what I have grown up watching is the most superior athlete because of everything he's invested in it. But now you have this, this second layer now where he's now going to be our competition, which come yeah. on, man, give me a break. Well, that, uh, it's tough yeah, enough out here. I, I don't uh, think that but, part of it is. I, I, I think all that stuff gets overblown. Like people look, he's going to be doing games. People are going to watch the games whether yeah. he's doing them or not. He makes the game better. If it, I think that the really good analysts make the game more entertaining to watch, but you watch them because the game is on and you're interested in the game. Now, Bra- if he Brady wants to, re- if he wants to really be special, he should play and call the game <laughs> at the same time. I mean, that's now that's just innovation. Do the defense. Like when his defense is on the field, yeah. they'll throw it down to him and he'll give you some insight into it all. Jimmy Pitaro, call me. I just came up with an idea. Forget the Manning cast. You got the Brady cast. <laughs> and let's make this straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. I do think there is something to this because I will say this. And, and, and again, Tom Brady is one of the most successful people in the history of mankind. But all of us who have achieved any level of success in something, I think, recognize that like for me, I agonize over everything. So someone asked me a question. You were just asking me a bunch of questions about doing this job and stuff like that recently. Someone else was asking me questions, and I said, here's the best and worst thing about my job. The best thing is that I enjoy it. It is genuinely a fun thing to do. I don't wake up in the morning dreading what I have to go do for work. The worst part of it is the hour after we finish. Because all I do for an hour is think about the things I got wrong. All I do is think about why didn't I do this? Why did we do this? I'll go back and listen to one segment from this show and watch one segment from Get Up every day. And I will think, I will watch each thing and think, why the hell did I say that? Why didn't I? Oh, there was an opening there. And I think that there is an element of that. It, it's not tortured. What was the word that he used? But, but there is a little bit of that, I think, in a lot of very driven, very motivated people. And it's not a great way to live. It's a very good way to work, but it's not always a great way to live. And I think there's, I think Brady was, Jordan is the same way. I used to say about Jordan all the time, that man will not be happy in retirement. And I think it took him a very long time to get to a place where he feels sort of happy and content. Because when your entire life is, is focused on being the very, very best at something, then when the moment comes, you can't do that anymore. You can't be that anymore. You can't be the best at anything anymore. That's a hell of a realization to wake up to at any point, no matter how old you are. An obsession. 
That that's simply that's the right word. that's simply what it is. And um, I think it's in all walks of life. I think it's for all different jobs and careers that people have. If you care, if you care enough, and you want to feel successful, and you're addicted to that, eventually, I think it, it, it's why I think people work out. You go to the gym, you start seeing results. Before you know it, you're going all the time. I think that's just human nature to to want that result. And then, of course, you take it to the Brady, the LeBron, uh, the Michael Jordan levels, um, you know, where, where it's just at the highest. And and there are parts of it that that I personally admire. I have thought about Tom Brady when I'm going through my own struggles, believe it or not, of what would he do in a sense of how do you fight off the weaknesses and, 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 and maybe just the desires to sometimes be lazy, cut corners. What would he do? Because he doesn't seem to be doing it. Um, but at the same time, I don't know if I would want to sign up for that level of scrutiny, eh? but also self-scrutiny. It mm-hmm. seems that the hardest critic he has is that voice in his own head, the way you do. And, and, and I think if you want to be great, you almost have to be that way. Straight and- talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. I have you for another minute here. I want to get to a couple of the quick things. Quick, uh, the, the uh, Baker Mayfield of it all. This continues to just sort of sit out there and hover and wait. What's going to happen? I think we're going to see training camp get here, and we're going to wind up seeing, unfortunately, a quarterback situation with another team uh, open up. Whether that means injury, uh, that's probably what it's going to be. There's going to be an injured quarterback, and they're going to need somebody to come in. And they're going to trade for Baker Mayfield. And most likely trade for, or teams are just going to wait for the Browns to eventually cut him. Which they would or would not eventually do. I would think they would because of the situation that that would turn out to be in Cleveland. They already have their quarterback. They've got two others on the roster. They don't need a quarterback, and they certainly don't need a distraction. And a, and a, and a quarterback with a personality like Baker who's going to be competitive, and he's in, it, it's not going to be good for the team and the culture there. Two more. Um, is Lamar Jackson going to play this season without a contract extension? I think it's pointing in that direction uh, at this point. I don't know what he's waiting for. We just The only information I can share with you at this point is the Ravens have discussed money with him. He is focused on football. That, that is the answer he's been giving. And then one more. Is Dallas going to get a second team to go along with the Cowboys? No, but I think Jerry <laughs> Jones would love it because he would also like to own he that would team own as well. He it as well. <laughs> Diana, you're the best. Thank you. My best to Camille, little Mikey, Kev, and everybody else in the family. Uh, the great Diana Rossini. Try the $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk Wireless with nationwide 5G on America's best network. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G capable device required. Actual availability coverage and speed may vary to the hoop we go next espn radio greeny the podcast passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply 
It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100 times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stats types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app go to prizepicks.com greenberg and use code greenberg for a first deposit match up to 100 that's prizepicks.com greenberg code greenberg for a first deposit match up to 100 prize picks pick more pick less it's that easy has hill in front of him tatum wants this he wants it now pull up three got it <laughs> Give me some sugar cookies, somebody. That was He's nice. feeling it. You can see it in his body language. You can see it in his swagger. Boston by 10. Oh, there you go. Cornbread Maxwell with a little fun there. 98.5, the sports hub, the play-by-play. little sugar cookie there for Jason Tatum, who bounced back after a really brutal Saturday. I, I, I was here saying, and, and let's bring in the assembled members of the hashtag crew. Hembo was on vacation, but we have Bubba and Nuno with us today. And Nuno, I said it to you yesterday, if the Celtics were to lose this series, Jason Tatum was going to have a very long summer thinking about that game on Saturday because it was there for the taking Saturday afternoon. Tatum played about as bad a game as you could ever envision him playing. If he just played his C game, then the Celtics would have been up 2-1 going into yesterday. But he and Al Horford had a huge night last night. He had 30. Horford had 30. They combined for 28 in the fourth quarter, and they even up that series at two games apiece. How about Tatum last night, Nuno? And it didn't start well for him, right, because he was in foul trouble early. Um, so I just, like, and you're like, here we go again. And then all of a sudden something just clicked, and, you know, he had the game he did and closed it out. And they... Are we at a point now? I know it's 2-2. Uh, they have two of the next three home games. The Bucks are the defending champions. Uh, are we at a point that we're concerned with the Bucks and, and feeling like the Celtics have the upper hand in the series? Yes, I, we are definitely at that point. I think the Celtics have been the better team for three of the four games. And I said that on TV this morning, and predictably, I get all of these tweets from people in Milwaukee. Let me make one thing perfectly clear. If you took Jalen Brown, Nuno, off of the Celtics, this would be a very different series. If you take the second best player off any team in the NBA, it changes the dynamic. It is not an excuse to say the Bucs are going to lose because they don't have Chris Middleton. It's a reason. Chris Middleton is a vital piece of what they do. They don't win a championship last year without him, and I don't think they get out of this series this year because they don't have him. It would be a completely different matchup. But in that fourth quarter last night when Giannis is gassed, and he is gassed because he's playing 41 minutes and he's doing everything, and they're throwing one after another huge body at him. There's one thing the Celtics do better than any team in the league or that they have more of, and that is big physical guys that can guard wings and interior players, and Horford is both of those things. Uh, excuse me, and, and Giannis is both of those things. But between Horford and all the other guys in Tatum, and, and, and uh, they have so many guys that are wearing him down that he's got nowhere to he, – he needs someone else to step up and get buckets for him, and that's not Drew Holiday's role. 
That's not really what he's there to do. He's, they need him to do it now, but that's not his forte. He's not a player who's meant to be that. The, the, Chris Middleton is the player who's meant to be doing that. And if he was out there, Nuno, I think it would be an entirely different story. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, and definitely. But you're paying Drew Holiday $33 million this year. And he was 2 from 12 in that second half. Like, I'm sorry. I know he's your, not your normal second option, but I need to get a lot more from a guy that I'm paying that much money to uh, when the second my second option is out. Like, he needs to step up. There's no excuses on that end with Drew Holiday. I agree. I, I, but my point is, you and I both know that they'd like to see that, but we also know, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's realistic, and that's one of the reasons that I thought the Celtics would win before the series started, and I still think it. Now, obviously, did I waver after game one? Hell yes. <laughs> I think everybody wavered after game one. Anyone watching game one wavered. But since that moment, again, they have looked like the, the Giannis is the best player. Of that, there's no question. He's unbelievable. But he's missing his Robin, and right now the Celtics, I think, have a little too much for them. Let me ask a question. And I'll mention that we've got Heat Sixers tonight. We'll get into that in a moment. Presented by Indeed here on ESPN Radio. Coverage starts 7 Eastern on most of these stations. The elbow that Horford throws at Giannis after he gets the the revenge dunk. So let me try and set the stage for anyone who didn't watch this game closely last night. There's a moment, and we made a big deal of this on TV today. Clearly, this was the turning moment in the game. It's early in the second half. The Bucks, I think, are up four when they, but it's a close. It's it's a it's a it's like a two possession game early in the second half, and Giannis goes the length of the floor and dunks on Horford, and it's not a poster. Like Horford gets out of the way, he knows he's not going to block this. Horford is in the vicinity, but it's not like he jumps up there and gets slammed on. And Giannis comes down, stares him right in the face, gives him the mug, says something that gets Giannis teed up. And Horford doesn't like it. Now, Horford, any of us who've watched his career, he's the least demonstrative player in the entire NBA. I've never seen his facial expression change. Well, that was definitively not the case. He was quite upset. He started drawing back. He went down, and whether this motivated him or not, he had an unbelievable game last night. He scored 30 points. He was 11 of 14. He was doing it from the outside. But then in particular, he went down, and he dunked the ball on Giannis. And Giannis is right there. And after the ball is through, he has already dunked the ball. The play is over. He then throws an elbow and catches Giannis right in the face. Now, I want to make it clear that the basketball I love, the game I grew up watching, that's a play on. I mean, no one even says a word. In the the NBA of today, they called that a technical do you think, Nuno, it is something they actually look at on the off day? I would, I would guess the Bucks people are going to be telling the league they want that looked at on the off day. What do you think? If you were a conspiracy theorist type of guy, um, you know, as someone, as a Nick fan who saw the NBA suspend Patrick Ewan for a half a toe over the line in mm-hmm. a playoff series that they ended up that they ended up losing, um, I would say yes, they look at it and possibly even consider suspending him. As a conspiracy theorist, now as someone who says, "Hey, that just happened," they'll probably look at it. Maybe they give him a, you know, upgrade it to a flagrant one, and and then you know, and do it that way versus you know, actually coming out and suspending the guy. Yeah, no, I, I again, I want to make it clear. I don't think they're going to suspend him. By no means do I think they should. But we've seen less. Like we we've seen we've seen 
things happened for less than that. Again, I love it. It's the emotion of the moment. No one is seriously hurt. I, I don't think – I think it should have just been a play on. I mean, they, they called a tech on it, whatever. That's, that's the NBA in 2022. But it was a great night and a great performance by him and by them. 303 Products has your number. With a full line of premium protectants and cleaners, they have everything you need to keep your car looking new longer. The other game last night, uh, you got Memphis and Golden State. That is a terrific series. And I'll tell you what it makes me think of. The Grizzlies are an excellent young team. And they remind me of the NBA I grew up falling in love with. The NBA I loved in the 70s and the 80s. There was a time when you waited your time. You waited your turn. I remember the Celtics in the 80s were the best team in in the Eastern Conference. And the Detroit Pistons, the young, the team that are now known as the Bad Boys Pistons, with Isaiah and all those guys, they played the Celtics tough. A bunch of years in a row in the playoffs and couldn't quite bang down that door. They're knocking on the door. They couldn't quite get there. And they finally did. They finally break the door down. They beat the Celtics and they wind up going to the finals three years in a row. They win two championships while they're doing that. The Michael Jordan bulls are coming up. They're in the wings. They're knocking on the door. They're trying like crazy to get through it. They have heartbreaking losses. Game six, game seven, Scottie Pippen's migraines, all of that trying to get through, finally break through that ceiling and they finally do it. And then they go on their run. Then, somewhere along the way, this became a league about skipping steps. This became about superstars getting together, super teams, all of the nonsense that I think a lot of people have been turned off by. The Grizzlies are not that. They look to me like a team. They're going to lose this series to Golden State, and they're going to look back on it. They're going to see all the moments that their youth got the best of them, all the moments they could have come up big. The shot that Dylan Brooks takes last night in that game in the final minute with all the time in the world left on the shot clock is a terrible shot. And it winds up being, I think, one of the big moments in the game because Steph gets the long rebound. He goes down the other way, gets fouled, and they then take the lead and they never give it back. This was a game that Memphis easily could have won, probably should have won, even playing without John Morant. I think they will learn so much from this playoff run. I think the Grizzlies are have a chance to become the team in the West going forward, built around Morant, they probably need one more piece. Um, but the Warriors are going to win this series, and I wouldn't be surprised if they wrap it up in five. Nuno, what do you think? That that all sounds great, and it's that romantical thing that we grew up on sports. Like, yes, they are the next next team up. But I just don't know, even... Even if they were away from super teams and so forth, uh, you know, putting putting super teams together, I just don't know if you're. We're at a point that they're going to regret missing this game, right? They're going to regret losing that game one. Um, they're going to regret losing this game without Ja, which they've been so great at without him the whole year, and that you know, in next year, two years down the line, we're going to be. They're going to be like, look back at it and be like. Darn, that was the opportunity we had. We missed it, especially based upon the way the NBA is at this point. I think that's fair. But if you look at the really the big teams in the West, all right, Golden State, I, I know they have some good young talent. Poole is really good, and let's see what they have in Wiseman. But look, Steph is getting older. Clay is getting older. Draymond is getting older. Phoenix, they have good young players, but I'm not sure uh, that, that DeAndre Ayton is there for the long run, and Chris Paul is obviously getting much, much older. There's someone needs to sort of step in. The Lakers are washed as can be. They're, they're dry cleaned. So, so someone needs to sort of step into that fray. Is it Denver when they have all their pieces healthy? Is it 
New Orleans, dare I say, if, if, if Zion actually comes back and becomes a full-time player, does Dallas add a piece to go with Luka? Does Minnesota put something out there with Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns? Do they take a step forward? There's something about this Grizzlies team, and, and in particular, that kid that I really like, Nuno. I, I feel like John Morant could be the future in the Western Conference. There's something about his spirit I like. No, I think, and we'll talk about this later in the show, but I do think he is becoming the face of the NBA yep. at this point in time. And it's great for the NBA, the fact that the faces in Memphis. Um, I, the only concern for me is, and just looking at, as you said, they're going to have to add another player. You know, Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to start making 20 something million dollars next year. Jaws eventually going to have to, you're going to have to pay him. Like so it's that concern of who you're going to be able to add. You might have to trade a Dylan Brooks or something and maybe bring in more of a stab, an established star to help him out there. So I've got Legler just walked in the door. I've got a break I'm I'm up against here. But I'm going to try and get Legs in in the next segment or whenever I can. He's running back and forth. These guys are so nice doing first take today. But we'll get Legler's takes on all these things coming up shortly. We'll see what he thinks James Harden has in store tonight. And also coming up next, I will explain another vote that I got wrong. Only this time, I was right. Greeny, the podcast. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. And how good a guy is Tim Legler? He's good enough to, he's in the middle of his work day, does all of Get Up. He's doing all kinds of first take stuff, and he's got a few free minutes. He comes and sits over here. Thank you, Legs. Wouldn't have it any other way, buddy. I really appreciate it. So, all right, I'm going to run through as much as I have in the time that I have you. Um, the Warriors get the win last night. Caesars in Vegas has now decided the Warriors are the favorite to win the NBA championship. If you had to pick one of the eight teams that le- are left standing right now, would it be Golden State? Well, I understand why I think they're the favorite to win it all because I picked them to win it all. Right? Okay. But it, I don't know that I would dis- agree with what you've seen so far that you wouldn't think whoever wins Boston-Milwaukee would be the favorite to win it all. Really? I mean, that would make, con- that would make sense to me. But I look at some things on how Golden State is playing, even last night, and people are going to focus on, man, they got some concerns. Did you see the Warriors last night offensively? And I say, yeah, I did. And you're right. It was ugly. It was brutal. I don't recall ever seeing Steph and Clay shoot that way on the same night. And they dug out and won that game. And I know they didn't have John. I don't care. They had no rhythm whatsoever in that game. And one of their players, and they need one of them to be great, and their best was Steph Curry was sensational when he needed to be. So somebody got hot. And then the lack of poise on the part of Memphis helped that happen, played into their hands. 
But I look at it like this. If you can play as bad as you possibly can play offensively in a playoff game of that magnitude and find a way to, to dig your way out of that and win the game, I'm taking the positive out of that more so than wondering what the heck's wrong with the Warriors because they did put up 140 in the previous game. What you saw last night is a trend. Right. Okay, so that, that's different. If they're playing this way every night, I'd say, yeah, okay, no way. It's, it's a game that they didn't play well and they still won. So, look, I just did the NFL draft, so I'll use NFL draft terminology for this. In the last two games with the Warriors, we saw they have the highest ceiling and they have a high floor. At their worst, they're still not that bad. They still have ways to beat you. They're crafty. They're veteran. They have Steph, who you never know what he might do at a given time. They're reasonably deep. So even when they're not playing at their best, they are, are still not ever an easy out. And I believe when they are clicking on all cylinders, they're the best team. Yeah, because you think about it, when teams are struggling offensively, a lot of these other teams, you're basically going to hone in on one or two guys, right? So if Boston is struggling offensively, you're probably looking at Jason Tatum. Right, the way he's playing, or maybe it's Jalen Brown. Right. Milwaukee, obviously, it's going to be Giannis. Memphis, it's going to be John Morant when he plays. Phoenix, a lot of times, it's Chris Paul. With Golden State, to your point, you're not doing that because it's the way that they play. And there are nights when Andrew Wiggins is their fifth-best option in terms of impact offensively, because I'll put Draymond even ahead of him the way he facilitates. Mm-hmm. Andrew Wiggins made the All-Star team this year, and he's like maybe Started your fifth in best the All-Star player. Game this year, yeah. And that's why, I mean, like, you can't just laser focus on one or two guys. What's wrong with these guys? And when you do that, these other players, sometimes the pressure really builds. James Harden's another great example. It's in his lap every night. Let's watch James Harden and see how he plays. It's not like that with the Warriors. And, and that, to me, is why their floor is higher than a lot of teams. That even when they play their worst, they can still find a way to be great when they need to. Greeny and Leg. So settle a, a, a little bit of a debate that Nuno and I were just having a minute ago. I said the Grizzlies remind me of the 80s and the 90s when teams would start building. And you could just see it coming. And they're knocking on the door, knocking on the door. Eventually, they, they pound it in. And Nuno sort of took the position that when you look at the way the NBA is today and you look at the way they lost game one and the way they lost last night, the Grizzlies might actually wind up looking back on this year as the year they let it get away, that they had it right there in their grasp and they didn't get it done. Which side of that divide do you think you fall on? I definitely think they're that team that's it's a progression with them, right? And they're going to learn from this because their inexperience and their lack of poise, like I said, with these young players showed last night and, and without John Morant. But I also look at it this way. Right. There were a couple things that I wasn't doubting going into the playoffs. That was you know, Desmond Bain 100% has arrived as an offensive player, far better offensive ceiling than I thought he had as an NBA player. I think most people would agree with that. He had a great year. He was great earlier in the playoffs in the first round. This year, he has really struggled in this round. So that's something now, if they get eliminated and he struggles again in game five or six and they get bounced – that's something now you say, okay, well, he's going to have to answer that next season. We need to see. Can't just be around. If you want to be your second or third best offensive player, we kind of need you to be there all the time, like through one, two, three, and eventually four rounds. Same thing with Dylan Brooks. He was so good for them the last two years in a regular season, very good for them in the postseason last year, has really hurt them in this series. Um, you know, with obviously some stuff with the fouls and, and drawing attention to himself, getting suspended, but also just his lack of ability to make a shot and his decision-making last night really hurt them late offensively. So that's got to be answered. So they still have – it's a progression, 
But there's definitely some things now looking at that team going into next year, Green. I think we're going to be really curious to see how it plays out next postseason. Well, so then let's live in this for a minute here. We have, we, have, we have time to get into some of the other things that I wanted to touch on. Who steps into the void? Who's the next team? So you've got Golden State and Phoenix. They're the class of the Western Conference. Let's give them that. You know, Phoenix, most of their best players actually are still young. Devin Booker is young. DeAndre Ayton is young. I'm not sure Ayton is there for the long term, though. And Chris Paul is 37 years old. So let's say we're looking a little bit, and, and, and then Steph and Clay and Draymond, they're getting older in Golden State as well. Is the next big team in the West, is it New Orleans if Zion comes back? Is it Memphis? Is it Denver if they get all their pieces healthy? Is it Dallas if they find someone else to go with Luka? Like, who is the next one we're looking at in the West? Honestly, you got to say all of the above. All of those teams have that chance. I mean, I look at a team like Denver now. That- uh, New- Actually, I apologize. Nuno just said in my ear. How about the Clippers? I mean, they should have Paul George and Kawhi next year, right? I mean, and there you had a lot more question marks because, like, to me – it's almost like you're suspending reality if you think, oh, they're just going to have a healthy run now going mm-hmm. forward. I mean, it's just, it's just too, there's too many questions about their health with that group. Those other teams, though, Dallas, you know, they, they cannot, what, one great player playing the way Luca plays is not going to be enough to beat these other teams that you mentioned. So what do they do? Okay, and you're going to even see an adjustment with Phoenix now because they're giving them the best of both worlds. Luca's doing what he wants, every possession. And they're giving up 20 made threes. You can't have it both ways. And that's where Monty Williams is going to adjust, and we'll see. And you'll see, I think, some of the limitations of that team. Denver, to me, is the team I would look at and say, man, because you're talking about an all-star caliber point guard and playmaking scoring guard. You know, Michael Porter Jr., again, can he ever stay healthy? Can the guy stay on the court? The talent is so high. The upside is so high. And Aaron Gordon being your fourth best player, that's a team now that gets thrust into the conversation, no question. And then obviously with what Memphis has done this year. But again, when's the last time you saw a guard with that style take a team all the way? You'd have to go back to Dwayne Wade probably with that Miami Heat team he won with. Right with a bunch of veteran supporting cast members mm-hmm. and this raw attacking guard at the rim all the time. That's the last time you saw a guard that plays like Ja lead a team to a championship. So is that going to be enough? And and that team, oh, by the way, had Shaq, who might not have been still at his apex, but he was still a dominant player and an incredibly important player. They, there is no equivalent to that. All right, legs, I got to take a break. Hopefully I can keep, I have no idea what his schedule is. We'll figure this thing out as we go, but I got a ton more basketball to do. We got to get back into some of this football. Tom Brady's coming back and he's made plans for his future. If you haven't heard, it's weird. We continue in a moment on ESPN radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN radio and see it with the video on ESPN plus also catch Greeny on get up weekday mornings at eight on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.